Welcome to the Pastor's Roundtable Podcast, a podcast where we pull apart and deconstruct the habits, routines, and tactics of the great men and women of faith. Drastically changed my life. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here is your host, Ryan Latham. Welcome to episode 41. I want to personally say thank you so much for choosing to listen today. It's an honor that you allow me to bring these interviews to you. Would you consider subscribing and leaving a review for us? It really does help us get the word out. Today, my conversation is with Aaron Martin. Aaron is the senior pastor of Community Bible Church in North Carolina. He's married to his wife, Emily, for 18 years, and they have four children. We talk about their plans as they phase out of quarantine and into the new normal. If you're looking for a little extra help with some media projects, social media, data entry, proofreading, and so much more, check out Fiverr. You can head over to renewleadership.org slash five. That's renewleadership.org slash five to get $10 off of your first order. Well, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Aaron. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Pastors Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Latham. I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to be continuing to talk about um, what does it look like to kind of come out of quarantine. I know everyone, you know, it's kind of like everyone's worshiping and you're not sure what to do with your hands yet. You know, it's like you want to, you're not quite sure. So everyone feels like they're in that phase of like, we're ready. Are we ready? We're not ready. Uh, and, uh, I mean, as Aaron's going to share, even just things change all the time, what governors are saying, mayors are saying. And so, uh, we're going to kind of talk through that reopening phase and depending on where you're at, uh, I know some people are already beginning to reopen and considering that quite a few of you guys are not even close to that. You're still weeks, even potentially months away from reopening fully. Um, but Aaron's going to share a little bit about some of the steps that they've taken, uh, they're not fully back to reopening yet, but they're taking some steps right now that maybe you guys could, could consider. So, hey, Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Why don't you just take a second here and introduce yourself to us? Yeah, thanks for having me today, Ryan. Uh, my name is Aaron Martin, and uh, I'm the senior pastor here at Community Bible Church in High Point, North Carolina. Um, married, have four kids, and uh, so that keeps me really busy. I've been in ministry here at Community Bible Church for the past three and a half years as the lead pastor and so and this is also my first um, my first lead pastorate so uh, it's been a lot of fun trying to navigate a global pandemic um, <laughs> your your first time in the saddle as a senior pastor yeah now before that um, just talk to us a little about some of the roles that you had before that yeah so um, I, I came to Christ when I was uh, young I didn't grow up um, did not grow up in the church but um, came to Christ around 11 years old and then when I was 17, in the middle of my senior year of high school is when things really started to click for me, and I began, got very serious about following Jesus sort of in a day-to-day -day way, and that just changed the whole trajectory for me. I ended up uh, going to a tech school for a semester, ended up at North Greenville University in Greenville, South Carolina, with the intention of um, going into ministry, and ministry was not really my first thought. Um, I was going to be a high school teacher, but I had some people speak into my life and say, hey, have you thought about 
uh, ministry. It seems like the Lord's gifted you in certain ways for ministry. So I pursued that at North Greenville and sort of while there was this external affirmation, I also had some internal confirmation from the Holy Spirit along the way. And uh, so after I graduated from college, I served as church as a student pastor for two years in Greenville, South Carolina. Then I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, where I went to seminary at Beeson Divinity School. And while I was getting my master's there, I also served uh, two local churches, one as a uh, part-time worship leader, and then the next as the student pastor and served there for four years. And then from there, we moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I served for 13 years as an associate pastor. Um, I was the student pastor there for about five or six years and transitioned to discipleship uh, ministry and also was probably unofficially more like an executive pastor. Never had that title, but um, certainly had all the responsibility. Definitely and, a lot uh, of those unofficial roles. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the joy of ministry, right? Unofficial so, janitor gardener right? <laughs> yeah I was never the janitor of the gardener thank goodness uh, oh man but um so so yeah I, I served in Chattanooga for 13 years all of my kids were born there we loved it there and then uh, but then the Lord just started kind of enlarging my heart for the church and uh, had a desire to preach and teach more consistently and so the Lord opened the door for us to serve here in High Point about three and a half years ago that's awesome well okay so let's dive into a little bit um Talk to us about the early phases of COVID for you guys. Um, I, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that you guys were not live streaming before COVID. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We, um, we, had, um, we had an online presence, but it was just because we recorded our Sunday services on Sunday mornings. And so uh, we had to pivot very, very quickly uh, here in the state of North Carolina. I think it was on March the 12th is when uh, – the governor said we're recommending churches not meet and then within 36 hours he had gone from a recommendation which we at the time were really just trying to make plans to continue we were going to meet that following sunday um we didn't really quite know what we were looking at and so we were just going to try to meet in the safest way possible and then the mandate came 36 hours later so we we had about 48 hours to pivot to how are we going to do this online our first sunday and so our first sunday was I mean, like most churches, pretty minimalistic, but the Lord's blessed us with, we have some really, really talented people on our team. And, um, you know, there, there's been a, a sort of a redistribution of labor for sure. And, and, uh, and so we were able to pivot pretty seamlessly to an online presence. We, we are not live streaming online. We are, um, we are recording. So we do most of our recording on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And so that gives our team, you know, enough time to do post-production but we are um, we are broadcasting what we record live during our service times. And so we've done that using, uh, I think uh, there's a resource called Church Online, which has helped us, you know, uh, we broadcast that and we have some chat platforms and ways for people to respond. And so that's been super, super helpful and encouraging to be able to right. uh, engage with people uh, online, in a, at least in a small way. Yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, there's a lot of, lot of churches that are in that same exact, uh, situation, right? And so, um, you had to, to navigate pivot, uh, onto online. So talked about some of the things that you've done with even your groups, connecting with people, how have you stayed and get, I know you guys are a heavy discipleship oriented, um, community. So sure. how have you navigated moving into a lot of that 
keeping the discipleship elements, but moving those into online. Yeah. So, I mean, we immediately saw the need to develop some response teams. We just sort of assessed what were, what are the primary areas in our church that we're going to need to focus on indefinitely. We just didn't, I mean, at the time we had no idea how long this was going to last. We were thinking maybe just a couple of weeks and now here we are almost 10 weeks later in the state of North Carolina. Um, and so we developed five teams, five response teams. We had an online response team. And so we had a staff member who was giving direction to that and helping make all the decisions. We had a prayer response team. And so that was just mobilizing our leadership to connect with people and pray for them. Uh, we had a, a serve response team, which is all of a sudden we've, we've gone from a church that was heavily focused in global missions and focused on a local level, but not focused to the degree that we are now. I mean, most of our mission has sort of shifted to local right now. So we had a serve team, we had a care team, um, just anticipating a lot more benevolence needs uh, in our church, in our inner city, and then a family team. So we had those five response teams and that enabled us to sort of designate um, a, a leader over each of those areas and then sort of organize, sort of get into the weeds and organize. So, so what do we need to do here? And so, for example, the prayer team, um, you know, very, very quickly, one of our staff members has started distributing um, prayer um, people that we need to connect with and pray for um, over specific areas of ministry in the church. So, you know, we mobilized our, a group of women to, to connect with women. Our elders were connecting with people. Our, uh, our pastors were connecting with, with people. And so we shifted our groups to, like everyone else in the country, to Zoom. Uh, we, uh, we were using Zoom for our groups, and that's been really, really good and really effective. And so I'm thankful that Zoom is so user-friendly, and, and we were able to move relatively quickly there. Um, the hard thing for us with groups, though, and I'm sure we're not alone in this, is like we, you, you feel acutely now how many people are not in groups. Mm. And so it's like, you know, as a church, you're always thinking, okay, what's, what's a reasonable percentage that we should strive for to have people assimilated into community groups, you know, and in reality, in most churches, hundred percent is probably not realistic. So for us, that number was 75%. Um, but when you're not meeting, I mean, so much of our connection happens when we come to church and, and now it's gone. And so um, we've, we're still trying to figure out how do we help people migrate into groups now who, who aren't in groups. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you still have a number of people who are saying, Oh, I don't have time for that. And you're like, what do you mean? We have more time now than we've ever had. Like everything's come to a screeching halt. And uh, so that has definitely been a challenge. Um, the easy part was just sort of connecting our existing groups to this um, a media platform to keep meeting. Um, yeah. And what we're even finding right now, as we're seeing some of the restrictions limited, you know, people just aren't comfortable. So we probably had a better attendance with our Zoom, our Zoom group meetings than we actually have with our in-person meetings right now, because people are just really, really hesitant to be around one another, even if you're practicing social distancing and wearing a mask and all those different sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Aaron, this Sunday, uh, which was what the, the 17th, uh, you guys began to do kind of a phase reopen. So talk about what that first phase looked like for you guys. Yeah, I should probably take a step back for what you just asked me too, because it's connected to this. One other thing that we found that we had to do was we, we needed to streamline our leadership. And so, you know, I think every church has a leadership model and it's, it's got 
some are larger than others. And so what we discovered was we've got 10 elders, but underneath our elders, we had a ministry team, which had eight people. And we just found for this season, that was way too large. Like we weren't flexible enough. We weren't agile enough. We couldn't make quick enough decisions because when you've got eight, 10 people in a room, they all want to say their piece at times. And that's good. Like there's, 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 there's value in having that many voices, but in a season where it seems like everything was changing, not just every day, but multiple times throughout the day. And it still feels that way. You know, you just try to get information. I mean, there's such uncertainty in, in every arena right now. Uh, we just found that we needed a streamlined team. And so that was part, part of us transitioning to opening up was how do we, um, how do we sort of identify who, who are the core, who are the key people who need to be at the center of our leadership team right now and helping us make decisions. It didn't mean that other people were unimportant. It just meant that our means of communicating with them were going to be different than they were before. And so, you know, for us, as we have transitioned to reopening, you know, they're really probably about, I mean, there might be you know, four things that are really kind of driving us here. One is, um, and we just found ourselves as we think about when should we, re we reopen is the obvious one. I'm like, well, what does the Lord want us to do? You know, because, because we can reopen doesn't mean that we should reopen. And I think that's something a lot of churches are going to have to wrestle with more strategically. I mean, just, you know, every congregation is different. It's not just that every parts of, the, of a state, you know, your city might be, we're on high point, you know, we're right here in kind of the, the, the middle of the state, uh, close to the Virginia border, but, you know, we're different from Charlotte and we're different from Raleigh and we're different from Asheville. And then, I, and then also on top of that, our congregation is different. Demographically, every congregation is going to feel this differently. And so if you're a congregation and you've got, you know, mainly millennials, you know, tw 25 to 35 year olds in your church, like they may not be concerned about coming back from a health perspective, but they're not going to want to come back because of their kids or because of like, you know, not maybe, maybe health with their kids, maybe, um, are the kids going to be afraid if everyone at the church is wearing a mask? Uh, or even they're the all logistics of even do you even have kids ministry? You know, like a lot of churches are going to have to open without being able to have kids ministry for the first few weeks, you know? So yeah, like you said, the, the younger millennials might not want to come because there's no kids ministry. Yeah. And that's going to be hard. I mean, we discovered about a week ago, like with kids, we think we're probably asking the wrong question because we were thinking, my own thoughts were like, when we reopen, we have to, we have to offer something for a nursery and for toddlers at minimum, because like, this is the age group that can't focus with online worship because their kids you know, screaming their head off or whatever. And yet the safest way to reopen kids ministry is probably from the oldest kids down, work your way backwards because older kids can, you know, comply to directives and they can social distance and they, they you can have a conversation. Well, Aaron, you've got, them. you got four kids. Are you sure they can comply? You know, what I'm <laughs> well, some most days they can. So they always listen better to everybody else than they do. That's maybe. right. That's right. Um, so there's the prayer piece in, in terms of reopening, like, you know, what does the Lord want us to do? We are a community Bible church. We're not, you know, in our city, we're not Mercy Hill. We're not vertical church. We're not man church. We're community Bible church and our needs are different. Um, another thing moving us towards reopening, it, I mean, it is the data piece. And for us, the data piece, Ryan, there's certainly uh, the need to see what's happening in our city. So we're thinking more on a micro level than a macro level. Um, I mean, if, if, if High Point becomes a hot spot, I mean, it doesn't matter if everything's declining in the state of North Carolina. What matters is what's happening in our city. 
-hmm. And so we're, we're thinking smaller rather than larger when it comes to data. So we're thinking primarily about what's happening in our city. And then where, where are people psychologically in our congregation? So we, we recently released a, um, uh, we did a survey and just asked some basic questions of people uh, just to see where they were psychologically. And that, you know, that, that plays a large role. I and mean, what we discovered was that, you know, about, about 37% of our people are ready to come back no matter what, you know, about the same number percentage of people are ready to come back with certain um, protocols and safety measures in place. And then we've got about 25% of our people who are like, I'm not sure when I'm coming back. And so that, you know, if that data had come back and we had 50% of our people said, we're not going to come back at that point as a church, I think you have to ask like, okay, is this the best use of our resources and energy to, to, you know, to, to open back up if only a small percentage are going to be able to reconnect. And so the data was part of it. Um, a big one for me personally, pastorally is just spiritual needs for in, for in-person gatherings. Like this is awesome. This you know, um, technology is great, but it, it doesn't replace an embodied relationship, a face-to-face -face interaction with people. And I hear those stories all the time where people are feeling isolated, they feel alone, and no amount of Zoom calls or FaceTime or text messages or phone calls can sort of um, fill up the need that they have to be face-to-face -face with other believers. Yeah. Uh, and then And then the last one for us is just, um, and it's been pushing us towards reopening really is faith. And I, I don't mean to be overly simplistic here, but, but just recognizing that, uh, you know, we're not the first generation to live through something unforeseen and unprecedented. These words that we're all sick of hearing about, right. Um, we're not the first, the church for years has faced difficulty and opposition and health risk and all these different sorts of things. And so we have to continue being the church and, uh, the church doesn't function well in a virtual environment. There are things that we're missing out on and we need to be together and our city needs for us to be together physically. And so just stepping out in faith and recognizing that there, there's an element of risk here that we're going to have to say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust myself to Jesus. Um, and he cares for me and he cares for our church and they're there. And, and we are taking a risk and we will say to our people, if, if you, are not ready to gather, like we're gonna continue providing resources for you and no one's gonna judge you. We wanna care well for you. You're still, you know, you're very much a part of our church and we're, we're still gonna, we're gonna be here waiting on you when you're ready to gather. Um, but if you're, if you're fearful, the best thing you can do is stay at home. I mean, that really is the best thing you can do. Yeah. Um, and, but there is an element of, of faith here, just recognizing there's, there's a certain amount of risk. You can't, um, and we, we actually have that risk every day. I'm, I'm risking when I get in my car. <laughs> I'm taking a risk. Yeah. Uh, I risk when I get on an airplane. I risk when I go to the grocery store to fill our, our pantry. So, um, but those four things, just where's the Lord leading us through prayer? What's the data saying on a micro level? Um, what is the spiritual need of our people? How long is what we're doing sustainable? And then lastly, you know, faith. What, what are we willing to risk for the sake of the gospel? And, for the sake of our city. Uh, that's great. I love that. And uh, I'm sure those are, those are tough decisions to make in the midst of all this. And so, um, I mean, you guys have decided to start that process, right? Um, right. And so uh, you guys started that on Sunday. So what, what was that first step for you guys? 
Well, um, this past Sunday for us was really just sort of a, um, it, 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 it really was to sort of gauge the psychology of our people. And so we kept our online services as they were. And so what we ended up, uh, it was actually this Saturday, what we offered this Saturday was something completely different. It was an outdoor sing along, um, but it was just an invitation to say, hey, we've, we, we've not been able to, with one voice, um, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's been 10 weeks. So it's going to be beautiful. We can social distance. Let's gather and let's sing together. And uh, this isn't a replacement for what happens on Sunday morning, but it's an addition to. But for us, it was, it, was, it was about seeing, it was just, again, gauging the psychology of our, of our folks. So we, we averaged about 800 on a Sunday morning, and uh, we had 220 people come out. And so that was super encouraging for our first gathering. And just um, to clarify, lots. that was an outdoor, bring your lawn chair yep. type of a service. Yeah. Yeah, outdoors. And so um, it was very interesting. The two most interesting things that I saw were uh, one being how few people actually social distanced. And, and we gave clear instructions, but now this was instructive for us because it, it tells us something. When we meet indoors, here's what we need to anticipate. And so we, if, if we need to help people remember how to care well for one another, we're going to have to devise a sort of a, a traffic flow and a, and a method of communication that, that minimizes opportunities for people um, to sort of encroach on these boundaries we shouldn't be encroaching on right now. So it was just helpful to see that. I mean, half the people who were there were sitting with an arm's length of one another and just enjoying one another. And um, it, it, in some ways it didn't matter how much we said, remember six feet. <laughs> um, there, again, the psychology, of it was they were so eager to see one another so I, I would say even for churches just you've got to be you have to be aware of that and I think you probably even I better understand now why in grocery stores there's little x's on the floor that say stand here because it is just re this recognition that some people even without thinking about it are going to drift back to their norms well um, and you know I you know here in Oklahoma we're you know, probably similar to where you guys are at. We're, we're getting close to like phase two here. And, uh, you know, I went to the store the other day. I, you know, walked in and people were wearing masks. And I was it, 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 like, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we're still doing this. You know, it was like almost, yeah. you know, because we have been just long enough to kind of start almost forgetting, right? And so, yeah, like you said, you got to do some of those markers to say, no, no, we're still in this. We're still ahead of time because, again, um, there are going to be those people that if you don't do that are going to be like, Oh, I'm pulling out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Hey, uh, they, it's too close. Right. Yeah. And that was the other interesting thing. We mask. That's the big debate right now. Mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Um, should we be singing in church? And so again, this is one of the reasons we did it outside. Initially, we felt like that was relatively safe. We did not tell anyone that they had to wear a mask. We encouraged it. 95% of our people did not wear a mask. Um, and again, you know, now that's different being outside than it will be inside. And so we've been having a lot of discussions and we'll probably come to a conclusion tonight at our elder meeting, but you know, do we just encourage masks? Do we mandate it? Um, you know, who are we alienating if we mandate it? Uh, what percentage of our people were planning to wear one anyway? Um, is this really useful? Is it not useful? Is this just to make people feel better? Uh, but also recognizing that, you know, singing and shouting, that, that is different and being in a closed and confined 
space. That's different than just sort of walking through the aisles at your local grocery store. Um, but man, there's so much opportunity. So those two observations were interesting to me and they both also represented a reminder of how much potential for division there is in the church as churches reopen because yep. people feel very, very strongly about these recommendations that are coming from um, our public health officials and 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 they should I mean and, and they should feel strongly about that we should want to care well for one another but there is a very clear division even in the church about um, you know what's the most appropriate expression of neighbor love and and how do we how do we apply what scripture says about caring well for one another with all of the information that we're inundated with um, would, and, and none of that information feels very consistent. <laughs> it's just sort of all over the map in terms of you should do this, you shouldn't do that. And, and it, this would be very difficult for pastors to navigate in, in terms of um, helping their people live out. Like how do we live out Philippians two, three, consider the interests of others as more significant than your own. Are you willing to, endure some things that will that 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 are going to sort of impact your comfort for a season um to make to make being at church more comfortable for someone else you know because in other words romans 14 you wanted to you really want to defer to caring well for the weaker brother right uh and so although no one wants to be called the weaker brother <laughs> no no one wants to say you know yeah, are you are you going to label them as they walk in? Okay, you're the weaker brother. You're <laughs> exactly. You're yeah, yeah. Well, everyone will be thinking it. I'm sure, based on like you know who's standing six feet apart and who's wearing a mask and who's not wearing a mask. And yeah, I, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but that that ultimately is going to be the litmus test for some people. The litmus test is, and and I think that's what we see playing out on social media, even among believers, is that there, there there's just a clear dividing line, and so navigating that as a leader. Uh, is has is being is very challenging. Yeah, for sure. And and like you said, there's a lot of room for divisiveness. You acted too fast. You put us at risk. Uh -huh. um, you know, you 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 acted too slow. You don't have any faith. You know, uh, you know. There's a lot of those divisive mark. You know, you didn't take kids ministry serious enough. And so there's a lot of those divisive uh, moments here. Um, and so as you guys are looking ahead. Um, what are some of the steps that you got? And I know that's all going to be all, you know, timelines are going to adjust here, but what are some of the things that you're thinking about as you continue to move forward into reopening? What are some of those stages that you guys have talked about? Yeah. So um, the first stage for us right now in our communication is just, is trying to establish and manage expectations. So, as much as possible saying on the front end, here's what you can expect to see, like sort of practically on, on when you show up on our campus, but also um, let's try to shape your expectations before you ever pull back onto our campus. And what should you not just expect in terms of safety protocol, but, but what's our expectation of you in terms of caring well for one another and loving one another and understanding the why behind the decisions that we have made and, mm -hmm. and recognizing too, you know, I've said this over and over to our congregation. I've said, you know, we, we are, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in different boats and, and you all have different opinions about what's happening here. And, 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 and we 
you've got to figure out a way to navigate this without church being your platform to, to air your opinion and your grievances. Like we're coming together to gather to worship the name of Jesus Christ and to be a unified church that is salt and light for our city. Um, but it is a danger when you have people come together that that's exactly what's going to happen because conversations are going yeah. to happen. So the, our starting point sort of for that is just, just trying to shape and manage those expectations on the front end. And, and even and some of it feels very self-serving, but saying, Hey, look, like there's not a one size all fits plan. And so we're going to make mistakes. And here's what I can promise you. I promise you we're going to make mistakes and I promise you we're going to learn from our mistakes um, and we'll get better from our, from those mistakes. But to try to help, to try to even help our people have reasonable expectations for us as leaders, because none of us have navigated this before. And frankly, thinking about starting opening back up is far more complex, complicated than pivoting 10 weeks ago. 10 weeks Absolutely. ago was, was easy. I mean, people, your first two weeks, people were just glad that you knew how to turn your computer on. You could do something on the internet, right? I mean, you know, they've, they've gotten to the point where they, they expect a certain standard of excellence. Although what's been interesting is, you know, I think only 25% of churches right now are seeing an uptick in attendance. Everyone else is, you, you get to Easter and then now you're seeing a steady decline and we're the same. I think people are, they're tired. They're tired mm. of, of not meeting together and they're tired of, of video being the only way to connect. So starting point for us is, you know, the managing those expectations clearly stating those expectations. Once people will come back onto um, our campus, realizing how fragile our unity is and how much we have to fight to uh, fight to guard that unity. And so, then from there, we'll be releasing this week, sort of, you know, here's, here's, here's a more detailed plan of what our phases look like. And so for us, we've been in phase one. Phase two is going to involve um, sort of live streaming on our campus. So we're, we, we, we have multiple larger rooms, so we're blessed with that capacity. So we're going to be able to probably maintain the integrity of our existing service times without having to change very much. Um, but to create potentially three or four different venues on our campus at that same time uh, for people to engage in corporate worship together. And so, yeah, you know, so we're just to clarify, you know, you, you've got your main auditorium um, and then you have like a gymnasium and then you also have like a multi-purpose student facility room as well. Um, and so is that, is that what you're talking about? Like breaking people up into those types of rooms and then live streaming the service there? Yeah. So we, um, that's that's it exactly so our auditorium normally seats about 500 so we're thinking initially we'll do about 150 people in that space um our our gym can seat probably could seat about 300 people but we'll do about 100 people in our gym our our multi-purpose students room is will be for our volunteers so we'll just that'll just be for volunteers we're not trying to mix that just our first impressions team and anyone else like that's going to be their landing spot and then our life center which is actually across the street for us um, on our campus, which seats about 125 to 150 people. We will limit to about 50 people, but our life center will be designated for the most at risk. Mm. And so in our life center, it'll be the one place on campus that we will mandate wearing a mask. Um, and we will, and it will be mandated because this is our, this is, this is where our most at risk people who want to come to, on-campus gatherings are going to gather. It'll be primarily, um, you'll, you'll either be at risk because you have um, sort of underlying health issues or you'll probably be older than 60 years old in this venue and you'll have to wear a mask in that venue. Right. 
So now it, that, pragmatically, that, is that, is that, is that live streaming the whole service? So worship and speaking, or would you have live elements in each of those venues? We will have a live host. Um, we'll probably have that host as well, probably handle some of the prayer times for the most part and try to keep those on a timer or whatever. But, uh, uh, but other than that, it'll be live stream. So we'll live stream our worship and we'll live stream the preaching. And, you know, for us, it just makes and sense. And again, I just want to reiterate, like for those that are listening, before COVID, none of this is stuff that you guys were doing. So this is all <laughs> yeah. brand new yeah. that you guys are trying to figure out as you go. And, and um, I mean, talk about the fact that you, you know, you've had to jump in. I know that everyone's thought right now is that is expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. And so talk about just some of the, you know, to use a kind of a slang here, kind of some Jimmy rigging that you guys have done to boost those. Cause I know you guys have brought in some volunteers and things like that to boost your Wi-Fi and those kinds of things. So maybe just some of those things as people are kind of freaking out thinking this is going to be way too expensive. Yeah. I mean, that's for us, we're just really grateful. The Lord's put some people in our congregation who could help us with some of this. Um, you know, our IT guy, he's, he's, he's doing all of our air fiber for us. And so because our buildings are across the street, we need to increase our Wi-Fi capacity. So we're saving lots of money because he's actually assembling that and installing it himself. Our facilities, uh, our facilities manager is, he's ordering, but he's installing all of our sort of hands-free faucets and, you know, hands-free toilets and all those different sorts of things. Like he's doing that. Um, it certainly would be overwhelming if you did, if you didn't have those resources. And I, what I'd say to, what I'd say to leaders is you probably have more resources in your church than you think you do. You just need to ask, you, you need, you need to tell your people, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we need. Is there anyone here who can help us? And then if, if, if all, if you all you hear are crickets and there's no one in your church who can help you reach out to other churches, reach out to other churches in your city and say, Hey guys, this is what we need. I mean, I, I know we offered, we offered our space to churches who didn't have, they didn't have cameras to film with. And so we said, if you want to film, come film, come, you can come use our space and we have people who will help you. So this is a great opportunity, I think, for the other local churches, churches to find reason to partner together. It's almost like the church is being the church or something. You know? Exactly, exactly. So but I think we make this mistake all the time as leaders, and I certainly do. Like I, when I see something, I want it done yesterday. And so it feels easier just to call call a company to do that. Um, and, and, you know, and to, and to, and to bring them, you know, into the, into the mix. And, uh, but you, the, the Lord has given a multitude of gifts to people in the church. And so as yeah. leaders, sometimes we just need to pause long enough to say, okay, here's what we need. Is there anyone in our church who can help us meet this need? And you, every church has, has more capable, leaders and gifted people than they realize they do they just have to stop and take the time to to actually ask that question and so so yeah we we were already talking about live streaming um you know we were in the, we're in the middle of the generosity initiative so that's been interesting in the middle of all of this and so we were talking about live streaming and yeah we're like most churches you're you're seeing lots of dollar signs and we have had to make some technological advancement i mean investments here um, which we we knew that and I, every church has had to figure that out. Every church has had to, had to determine like there are some things we're going to need to spend money and resources on that we had not planned to spend money and resources on. But at the same time, there are things that we were planning to spend money on that we're not going to, we're not going to use now. And mm -hmm. so um, we, we've been in the same situation and 
so yeah, once we actually live stream in two weeks, it'll be very, very interesting. And probably what we will do, we'll stage all of that. So like for our, our first gathering, our first gathering in all likelihood may just be our leadership, like our elders and their families, our deacons and their families, our staff and their families. Again, that gives us a chance to sort of assess that everyone, the psychology of the, those who show up on campus. And before we have hundreds of people here in different venues say, okay, what's not in place that needs to be in place to make mm. this as safe as possible. Yeah. It's and, kind of uh, like doing a soft launch to a campus yep. or a church plant. You're kind of soft launching your reopening. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to open back up and then with everyone watching and, and make some big blunders because you're probably going to miss something. You know, I, I told someone on our staff yesterday, I said, okay, you, you've got to get all the Bibles out of the auditorium because we can't use those anymore. They're like, oh, why? It's like, well, because we can't, you know, we don't want people putting their hands on those and sharing those. They're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. So you don't want, you probably won't miss the big things. It'll be the small things. But again, people are so, there's such, people are, are so on edge that the people are going to notice those small things. And so for us, that soft launch will hopefully allow us to sort of mitigate um, too many, too many things that would sort of make people nervous. Um, and so, and then from there, again, we would move to the multiple, the multiple venues and we're anticipating, I mean, I, I really think we're going to be in sort of the, with the multiple venue mode I'm anticipating throughout the summer. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, Lord willing, by the end of August or September, we might be able to get, you know, 200, 250 people in our auditorium, but still with a certain level of distancing. I, I, I think that's what the, where the church is going to be for the foreseeable future. If, if you're thinking, man, we're just going to have church as we once had it. Um, I don't think that's very wise, but I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but uh, the optics of it certainly wouldn't be very good. <laughs> right. And so I think just creating space for people just to say, Hey, we want you to be here. But again, we want to create the safest space possible for you. And, if that means we got to do it, we have to do an extra service during the weekend for this, for, for your sake, then let, let's be willing to do that to serve you well. Yeah. So, I mean, let's jump ahead. Are you feeling like, or have you made a decision on continuing live stream? Um, or if you feel like, no, that was a temporary thing for us. Once we're kind of through all of this, we're going to go back to only um, in person. Well, Ryan, I think online worship is here to stay. And so, honestly, I think I think a church that um, just sees this as temporary is probably missing some opportunities. Now, I, I think it remains to be seen whether or not the the sort of the reality that online worship is here to stay is a good thing. Is that the the jury is still out on that um, because again, we we can reach more people through online, and in our own church, I think online worship is incredible for people who are shut in or, you know, people who are facing extended illness or sickness, or even when you're traveling, you know, you're on vacation and you're like, man, we can, we can stay connected with our church while we're on vacation. And so, yep. um, but at the same time, your level of engagement is not the same, but, but the reality is this, it's here to stay. And so I think it would be unwise for the, for a church just to kind of pull a plug on it. So we will stick with it. Um, I mean, we've, that's kind of been an ongoing conversation for us um, as we've, been thinking about this you know whole situation um that we 
uh, we'll, we'll continue to do that and we'll, we'll actually pivot from recording to something that's more permanent in terms of actually live streaming what we're doing on, uh, what we're doing on Sunday morning. Uh, that's great. That's great. Uh, any, any final thoughts on kind of COVID or tips that, that you want to share with us? Well, I mean, just a couple of things, just word of encouragement. I mean, just, you know, again, this is not the first or the last time the church is going to face, you know, a challenging cultural moment. And so this is an opportunity for us to be the church. And I would just encourage people to, you know, to keep that in mind. Uh, as a leader, this is a great opportunity potentially for you to kill some sacred cows at your church and certain and that are in ministry, things that you've been waiting to die and they're dying a really, really slow death. And, you know, I know that change feels scary, but this really is an opportunity. Like this is an opportunity decisions that you've been put on putting off as a leader. This is an opportunity for you to make those decisions and, yeah. um, and you have something to blame it on. Right. And so I'm not saying hide behind that so much. Just recognize this is an opportunity for us to COVID's sort of, to a great scapegoat, man. Throw it on. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, another thing I would say too is again, this is this presents boundless opportunities for innovation for the church. This is an opportunity to try things that you've wanted to try, but you haven't known how people uh, would respond to it. And I mean, again, to go back to online, a lot of churches have been able to experiment and to do some things online that they thought were probably years away. Now they've been forced to do it, and now it's like, oh wow, there are a lot, there are a lot of great opportunities here. It's limited in what it can actually do to connect people, but but the opportunities are boundless in terms of the exposure, exposing people to the gospel and to your church and to the opportunity to have an encounter, a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And so, um, and I'll also say, this has also, I think, been a great opportunity for the church to refocus on that, which is most important in the church. And, you know, the church has always been about a commitment to the word and a commitment to prayer and a commitment to the, to the one another's, like loving and serving one another well. And, it doesn't matter how what size your church is. I think every church has lost sight of those on some level. They've lost sight of the priority of those on some level, and we get caught up in excellence and lights and uh, and, and fog machines and 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 our in our discipleship structure and uh, and all those things. And those are all. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. And those things can 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 do a lot. I think to sort of enhance an, an, an on-campus worship experience or help us um, accomplish our mission. But there have always been a few things that, have, that are timeless in the church. Mm -hmm. And this hard reset, and I think it'd be helpful to see it this way, this is an opportunity to hit reset for your church and to say like, okay, we've been committed to this for years. Do we still need to remain committed to this? Um, or we've, we've lost sight of the priority of, you know, one-on-one -on -one or one-on-small -on -small discipleship. We've allowed, you know, we've allowed some sort of big trellis or organizational sort of approach to discipleship take the place of life-on-life -life discipleship. This is a chance for us to reset because you don't have any other choice, right? Um, so, yeah, use this as an opportunity to refocus your priorities. See it as an opportunity for, for, for innovation. See it as an opportunity to put to death some some ministries that have been slowing to dying slow deaths anyway. Um, and you just get, you get to do deal with a knockout blow. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. So Eric, last, last question here. What, what is something uh, in your life that brings you renewal? 
Well, yeah, I've been thinking about that question since you asked it. Uh, and um, I think for me, it's just, I need things that allow me to really focus on something else entirely, right? And so the difficult part about ministry is that you're just, you never really get to unplug. Like the people that you care about are always on your mind. And so for me, I need outlets and opportunities where I'm not pushing those people and those, those people or their needs out of my mind, but, but I'm channeling my energy around them in a different way. And so an example of that for me is um, playing indoor soccer really brings me a lot of renewal. Uh, it's just a time that I get to be around people in our church. But for this brief little two-hour window, I'm not around them as their shepherd or their pastor. I'm just, I'm just another guy kicking the soccer ball around, right? And, and yet I'm still connected to them. And, but we're not talking about the the burdens of, of that they're carrying with them all the time or my burdens that I'm carrying, but we're just able to be together and enjoy life together in that moment. And it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that I get to run around and, you know, sweat a little bit and you know, burn some calories and all those different sorts of things. So yeah, those are the kind of things. That's just one example, but those are the kind of things that I need. Like I, I don't feel like I need to escape from uh, the people that I'm shepherding. I love being around them, but to be renewed, I need opportunities to kind of to be with them in different settings outside of I'm your pastor, you know, outside of church on some level. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Love it. Well, Hey, Aaron, I know uh, uh, you got a lot of navigating and pivoting and social distancing to do. <laughs> uh, so I really thank you for uh, joining us today. Been super helpful. A uh, great, a lot of great insights. And so, uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for uh, listening, guys. We'll bring you guys another episode here real soon.